Sports Podcasts. Hope a great holiday season. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. And happy Boxing Day to those to the north of us in Canada. I'm your host, Jason Powers, alongside Michael Banks. I'm down in Tampa, and Michael's up in Birmingham. How was your Christmas, Michael? It was really nice until I had to go back to work today. Me too. So that's never fun. Never fun. So, all right. So tonight on this this week's episode, we are going to talk Jason's trip to Vegas, making his broadcasting debut. Jason's fantasy football championships in two separate leagues, with one of those against Michael Banks and the Vipers. We're going to talk NFL playoffs. Week 17 is upon us. Lots of playoff scenarios still in play. Some disappointments. Some coaching hot seats about to get blowed up on New Year's Day. We're going to talk college football playoffs. The playoffs are finally here on Saturday with Notre Dame and Clemson and then Alabama-Oklahoma. We're going to talk some storylines and break down those two games. We're also going to talk briefly about some NBA action on Christmas Day, kind of the unofficial start of the NBA season. LeBron, the Lakers, the Warriors, who's good, who's not, and all that good stuff. So, all right, so first off, shout out to a couple of sponsors of the show, Five Star Athletics, Sam Jenkins Designs. If you have any branding needs throughout, uh, Sam Jenkins Designs can help you with your branding, logos, branding, social media, all that kind of good stuff. Five Star Athletics specializes in team apparel, uniforms, athletic uniforms, hats, shoes, corporate attire, polos, and if you need any of that kind of good stuff, screen printing, embroidery, all that all that jazz. Even you, Michael Banks, and the Regents Bank family can help get, get involved with Five Star Athletics with some embroidery and some polos. Outfit the staff to make them look their best. That's unofficial. (laughs) All right. All right, let's get to it. Let's talk some NFL playoffs. We had a pretty interesting week 16. Some playoff positions were locked down. Seating, not necessarily seating, but positions were locked. Not quite sure of all the seatings yet, but there's also a couple of disappointments. Probably the biggest story of, of of week 16 the Pittsburgh Steelers on the brink of elimination. Who would have thought 16 weeks ago that the Steelers, even without Le'Veon Bell, would be in this position where they're needing help from their bitter rivals, the Cleveland Browns, to beat the Baltimore Ravens to even have a chance to get in the playoffs? Your thoughts, Michael Banks? Um, I think it just shows that the uh, Steelers are are getting closer and closer to making a move at uh, at the head coaching position. I, I've, I've said it for a while, but I think that Mike Tomlin is overrated. I don't think that he is as good of a coach as everybody seems to make out. They have been successful, but they've had stability at the quarterback position. They have, uh, you know, out, out of this world talent in Antonio Brown. And those two guys alone, along with the way that they run the ball and the offensive line they have, makes them legitimate every year. But the fact that they can't seem to get over this hump of, of, you know, in the playoffs, and now this year possibly missing the playoffs, I think Tomlin's going to be on a short leash in the near future. I, I, this is, like you said, it's pretty stunning that the team that a team with this kind of talent is is a is a loss away 
from the Ravens from missing the playoffs. It's crazy to think that, you know, one of the big, uh, I guess, uh, complaints about the Steelers is their, in, is their lack of the ability to commit to the run. You know, they, you know, I know Le'Veon Bell held out. James Conner played pretty well when he was well, obviously before he got hurt. Even Jalen Samuels has played pretty well in the last couple of weeks when he's been given opportunities. They just don't, they just don't run the ball enough. I they, mean, he's got they, a pretty good, they've got both of Connor and Samuels have a pretty good yards per carry average. They just don't, Enough attempts. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy that that they, like, in the game against the Saints, I think they threw it like 14 straight times, and, and it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't like they were playing from behind to, you know, that they had to throw the ball. It's baffling. They ran the ball well against New England, and they gave Samuels the opportunity and trust me, you know, I wish they would have ran the ball more. It would have helped me out tremendously in fantasy if if Roethlisberger's not throwing the ball 60 <laughs> times. But, you know. Why is that, talk- Michael? Did your opponent have Ben Roethlisberger and company? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's December. Every other team seems to have figured out you got to run the ball because defenses are have, you know, have a whole season of tape on you. They know what you can do and what you're going to do. Even the Rams have had trouble throwing the ball. You got to throw the ball in December. I mean, run the ball in December, and they just refuse to do it. I mean, it's the, the sad part is they have such a they have such a uh, plethora of receivers with Schuster and Antonio Brown and the two good tight ends. They just they they throw the ball more than anybody in the league by far. It's not even close. And obviously, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Roethlisberger, but like you said. Their defense is suspect, so why wouldn't you run the ball more to keep them off the field a little bit? And it's not like they don't run the ball pretty good when they do. I mean, they again, Samuels had over 125, 130 yards against the Patriots. He had a pretty, he had a, he had a good day against New Orleans Sunday when he got attempts. He just didn't get very many attempts, and it's just, I, I just don't understand why in that kind of environment in the Superdome, why you wouldn't run the ball more. Um, you know, and obviously the, the the call in that game that everybody's talking about is Tomlin's fake punt with about four minutes to go, fourth and five from his own 45-yard line or 40-yard line. You know, the question you have to ask yourself is, is if you're if you're if you're scared to death of New Orleans getting the ball back, why not just go for it? Put your offense out there and, and let Ben throw it for five yards. You got a great offense. He was playing. Their passing game was playing very well against New Orleans Sunday. Why not just put the offense out there and go for it on fourth down? I, I, I mean, I agree. You know, it seems like we have these conversations way too often nowadays. It, it's like the other night, Carolina playing New Orleans, and New Orleans has a chance to ice the game, and you have two all-pro running backs in Ingram and Kamara, and yet you do a reverse handoff to Tommy Lee Lewis, the beer man? What? <laughs> Why I don't understand these coaches just outthink themselves. It's like it's like Kirby doing the fake pun against Alabama. Like just just do what you should do. Don't try to get cute and and do this stuff that because it just makes no sense. It's like you know you got like Tennessee. You, you ran the ball with Derrick Henry the first uh, five times on the first drive and then gave it to him two times for the rest of the half again in the game against Washington. It, I just don't get it. I, I think I think these coaches just outthink themselves sometimes, and, and and it can cost it can cost them jobs. 
And then, you know, the opposite end of that spectrum, you got the Seahawks. They're not afraid to run it 35, 40 no, times no. a game. The Patriots no. is a great example this last Sunday. You know, their offense has been struggling. Brady, Josh Gordon issue. You know, Gronkowski's kind of limited now. Hell, they ran the ball almost 45 to 50 times against Buffalo and ran for 280 yards. And, and did it with three different backs. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's – that's what you have to. That's why everybody, you know, you know, in the fantasy world, jokes about Belichick and getting Belichick because you never know which running back he's going to hand it to, and that's he always gets three or four guys. But that's the reason that they've won four, five, six Super Bowls. You know, they 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 have won because they know the formula. When you get into December and January, you have to run the football, and it's just it's because these teams have seen. What you do all year, they have a whole season of tape on you, and it is hard to scheme. Now, granted, the Super Bowl was kind of an outlier uh, last year, but still, I mean, you're right. It's just, it is. The Seahawks have committed to the run, and they they do not stray away from it. And if yep. the Vikings would do the same thing, look at the success they've had the last two weeks by doing it. I just, it's, it's you know, I guess my only thing with the with the Tomlin deal at fourth down, if it was fourth and two or three, maybe you run that fake punt. I could live with that. But when it's five yards and you're snapping it to a fullback and you're expecting him to run up the gut for five yards, that, that's a lot to ask of a fullback, any running back, really. I mean, anybody on the punt team, really, but especially a lumbering fullback on yeah. a play that's just a direct snap. It's not like it's a trick, any kind of reverse or a pass or anything like that. I just have a hard time understanding why you expect that guy to get five yards. Completely agree with you. And speaking of that, New Orleans, last thing on the New Orleans game, boy, the officiating, there were a couple of brutal calls in that game. I mean, they called a pass interference against Joe Hayden early in the game against Kamara. That was just terrible. That basically gifted Pitts on fourth down as well. Yeah. It was a 40-yard throw to Kamara. The ball was five yards over Kamara's head, no doubt about it. And they call a Bush League pass interference call, which gives them basically first and goal at the one. Yeah, that Again, was a nice call. Oh, I mean, it just and it changes the whole momentum of the game. I mean, Pittsburgh would have got the ball at about the 45-yard line, you know. Then there was another call late in the game on the game-winning drive. It was fourth and two or three, and they throw they call another interference on on Hayden. Again, a little more a little more contact, but still, you've seen that call not called a lot of times. And uh, I think Pittsburgh very much got the short end of the stick on the officiating. Um, you know, they got, but again. They but they had a chance to win it. They had a they chance did. to, they to did. be in Schuster, and they blew Schuster, it themselves. Yeah, Schuster fumbles on the 35 going in to kick the game-winning field goal or the game-tying field goal, I mean, in the last minute and a half. And so it's just tough situation for Pittsburgh. You know, they've made their own bed. You know, you, you give up a 16-point lead to San Diego or L.A. Chargers three or four weeks ago. You lose to Oakland the following week. Oof. You know, you, you tie Cleveland in week one when you were up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter early in the season against Cleveland. So it's just a situation where kind of, you hate to say it, but Pittsburgh has to make their own bed now and sleep in it. And they just are praying to God they can get some help from Cleveland against going to Baltimore, which you got to give Baltimore tons of credit to go out to L.A. and beat the Chargers the way they have and as emphatically as they beat the Chargers on Saturday night. Another team that will run the ball and, exactly. trust, and trust their defense, runs the ball, even though – some of it's unorthodox with the quarterback right now, especially we haven't really seen this in a while, but they run the football. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, when's the last time you saw Michael uh, Crabtree or, or 
or John Brown going, you know, going off for a big game. <laughs> it's right. been a while because I mean, they're running the ball. Right. Yep. It's uh. It's uh. It's it's it, it, again. Do what you do good well, and I know Pittsburgh throws is really good at throwing the ball, but they've also got a pretty big time offensive line that's proven they can run the ball too. And I just I yeah. just think they've fallen in love with the pass a little too much. And I think I heard a stat today: the last four or five quarterbacks that have thrown for over five thousand yards in a season, none of them had have, have had any playoff success, and several right. of them haven't even made the playoffs. Right. You know, because Drew Drew Brees has done it a couple times. You know, Rivers has done it a couple times. So it's, you know, it's proven that the more if you throw, 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 the likelihood of you winning games is less and less and less. Yeah, I mean Brady's only big huge season where he threw for you know record numbers was the was the undefeated year and the, which they lost in the Super Bowl. So you know Brady Brady puts up great numbers, but he doesn't. He's not forced to throw the ball, you know. So, yep. So, all right, let's talk about the Patriots real quick. You know, lots of speculation about what's going what's going on in New England. Obviously, last week they had the Josh Gordon situation where he failed another drug test back in November. I read something where they apparently had had had, had a plan in place where they had security guards. Yeah. Somebody security wise was following him virtually twenty four hours a day. While he was while he had been with the Patriots, and apparently he he escaped the security guard for a brief a brief period of time during their bye week, and apparently that's when he kind of went off the rails and did what he does, and and obviously then failed the drug test following that. But sad situation because that guy when he was in his when he was when he was right, he's the top six or seven receiver in the NFL, and it's just really too bad that he that he you know squandered this opportunity. He, He'd have been one of those guys that would have been making twelve to fifteen million dollars a year with Cleveland or somebody if he if he could have just stayed, you know. And again, I when you I know he's a, it sounds like he's an addict where that's a tough thing to overcome, and I'm sure the temptations are just unbelievable if you if you've been in that situation. And I don't know that I don't know the feeling of that because I've ne- I'm luckily I've never not been in any kind of situation like that, but. Just crazy to know that he's he's going to squander millions and millions of dollars. Well, you know, you know who he reminds me of. I'll give you two names from the '80s: Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden. It's what it reminds me of. Guys that just could not stay clean. They have the immense talent is there. Those two guys were two of the best to play in in that decade and, and of their generation, and they could not stay clean. They, they just they had problems. And another yeah. guy, remember Steve Howe that played for the Dodgers yeah. and the Yankees? Yeah. He was yeah. probably the original guy that had been suspended, just got suspended time after time after time. Yeah. But that guy was a tremendous relief pitcher. And I mean, Strawberry and Gooden, luckily they got to play, they, the hell, they still got to play 10 or 12 years. Where Gordon, he's probably done, his career is probably over, to be honest with you. And he's only been in the league, you know, four or five years. So well, he's only played for two or three, it seems. Crazy. I mean, and the sad part is two, three years ago when he was doing well with Cleveland, he was a top two or three receiver in the whole league. Yeah. All right. Gronkowski, Brady, what are your thoughts on them? It's, I mean, I mean, it, it sounds, it looks like Gronkowski's kind of just, I mean, I don't say hit the wall, but he's just really slowing down physically. I don't know if all the toll of all the back injuries and all that stuff is really just caught up to him, but he is no, nowhere near the threat that he was 
you know, even a year ago, two years ago. No, he is a shell of his former self. I mean, if you watch, he is not, he, he, he it almost looked like, I mean, it's painful to watch really. Like he just does not look the same. And, and, you know, they, you know, the, the reports were out there about, about them trying to trade him to Detroit in the off season. He basically said, look, I'll, I'll retire. I won't go. And and usually when Belichick starts to get rid of you, that means he knows you're done. And so I think I think Belichick had an I had an inkling, knowing thinking, I think this guy's, you know, I think I think we got all we can get out of him. Let's trade him while his value's high. You couldn't trade him right now to another team though and get anything worth what what you'd want to get for him because you know, obviously in the offseason, um he just he's he's just not the same. And and I think that I think that Brady I don't want to say, I mean, yes, he doesn't look as sharp as he has, but, uh, you know, making the mistakes like he did against Pittsburgh, that, that horrible interception in the red zone. Um, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a byproduct of having Gronkowski not there and, and, you know, him being on the field, but basically playing without him in a way, I don't know what it is, but there is something off about this new England team. And here we are, there's something off about him, And, they're right going to be now, the two seed. They're going to be the two, the two seed, seed and, and they could be the one seed. I mean, <laughs> it, it's crazy. That just that just goes to show you the genius of Belichick, the way he's able to coach that team. Yeah. Because if you if you look at that roster, that roster really is about a fifteen or twenty roster in the NFL. If you look man to man, oh yeah. That guy coaches them week to week, schemes it, and again, one week they might throw it fifty times, and the next week they might run it fifty times. Yeah. You never know what he's going to do. Uh, defensively, they they're going to figure out a way to to take your best player away when it when it's time to do it. And and they and, and they keep you out of the end zone. You kick a lot of field goals. Yeah, a lot yep. of bend, a lot of bend don't break uh, yep. drives. And it's yep. I mean, man, it's unbelievable. You know, and uh, you know, and the sad part, the weird thing is, two weeks ago Gronkowski had 110 yards and a touchdown, played really good at Miami, and. Uh, but I got to, I mean, I think Gronkowski's at the stage now where he can't do it every week. But do I think that he could put together two more good efforts in the playoffs? Yeah. I do. I think, I think again, especially if they get the bye week, if he gets two weeks off to rest, I would say in that first divisional game with two weeks rest, I think you'll see a strong Gronkowski. And if they were somehow to get to the Super Bowl where he'd have another two weeks of rest, I think that'd be something where you could see a big game out of him. But you're right. Week to week, it's going to be hard for Gronkowski the rest of the way uh, to have big to have big numbers and be a big threat. But I think somebody would trade for him you know, if he wanted to keep playing. But he's probably he's probably taking the position of hey, I want to only play with Brady because he doesn't want to get traded to an Arizona or a you know no. a Tampa with a suspect quarterback or a Detroit. He's only going to play for a championship type type team, I think. Yeah, and the Patriots aren't trading him. To any team in their conference, <laughs> and, right. they're not, and they're not going to trade him to a contender on the other side. And I could see what I could see happen is I could see Gronkowski taking a big pay cut this offseason and playing for you know two or three, four million bucks next year, one more year with Brady. Because I think he, I, I think he still wants to play. I just, I don't think New England's going to pay him at that at that at that salary cap number. They could really use uh, another tight end in the way that uh, in the way that they used to. Um, it, just to take the pressure off of him from having to play every snap. Sure. Uh, and th- I mean, you know, Dwayne Allen, I know, was they brought him in. He was supposed to kind of give him 
you know, because he's an athletic tight end in the in the form of Hernandez, and and that really didn't pan out. And so I, they could really use another tight end. And even if he does come back, you know, like you said, for a reduced number next year, I can see them drafting one oh, to, group, to group underneath him for sure. So absolutely. And and again, they made knowing Belichick, he just may cut ties. And if Gronkowski wants to retire, he wants to retire. But yeah, um, shoo. But again, like you said, you say what you want. The Patriots are right there in the two seed. Yep. And are you gonna are you gonna bet on are you gonna bet on Houston or you know are you gonna bet on Houston or the Chargers to go to Foxborough and win in the divisional nope. rounds? I'm not, not. Not in January. Not in January. I mean, <laughs> and I hate to say it, I would almost are you gonna bet against the Patriots going to Kansas City as bad as that defense is? If they had to go to Kansas right. City, that'd be and- tough. And with the Chiefs playing with their third string running back, yeah, I, mean, I just again, I think that I think New England would find a way to scheme up Kansas City on defense to where they might run it fifty times. Right. And, uh, and Kansas City's defense is so bad is that Edelman and Gronkowski and Hogan can get open against those guys because they're so poor on defense. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk real quick about home field advantage. It looks like New Orleans has got it locked up in the NFC. If KC beats Oakland in the AFC, they'll have it locked up. So your your potential seedings are in the AFC are going to be Kansas City one, New England two, Houston three if they beat Jacksonville, Baltimore four if they beat Cleveland. If they lose to Cleveland, Pittsburgh beats Cincinnati, then Pittsburgh's the four and Baltimore's out. The Chargers are locked into the five hole basically, and basically you have a winner take all between Tennessee and Indianapolis. Sunday night, Alan Chris on the call, Nashville, Tennessee. You're, what do you think of that? Mariota compromised, not sure what his situation is. Andrew Luck on fire with the Colts, playing great. You know, they had a dramatic 28-27 comeback last week against the Giants. They've won eight out of nine. I love how Luck's playing. I think Indianapolis is the team that's going to win that game Sunday night, whether Mariota plays or not. Well, I think that you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry on Sunday night uh, by design, whether Mariota plays or not. If he plays, it's almost maybe to protect him. If he doesn't, it's to to keep Blaine Cabert out with his hands off the ball and keep Andrew Luck's hands off the ball. Right. And so I think you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry, a lot of Deion Lewis mixed in. And I think the Titans are going to go back to what, what they did a couple weeks ago against the Giants run the ball, run, run, run. And, you know, I, I I like the Colts because of the the question mark with Mariota, even if he plays, I, I mean, I read some today that it, it, he's got a, you know, no feeling. He had no feeling on the whole side of his body. Like that's scary stuff, man. Um, so I just don't know if he even plays, how effective he can be. And the Colts don't, don't I mean the Titans have a good defense, obviously, but the Colts have a really good defense too. They they shut yeah. out Dallas two weeks ago, kind of stumbled a little bit against the Giants, but the Colts have a pretty good defense too. So um, that's going to be a great game. I'm, it's it's good that it comes down to winner take all, and you know obviously everything but a tie, the winner gets in and could knock and will knock one of the you know Steelers or the Ravens out, who are two teams that they uh, that they played a lot in the past especially the titans used to be in that division which and with the and with the colts you got it the colts have a great have a very good run defense they they held ezekiel elliott in check they held barkley barkley in check 
And obviously Derrick Henry, who from a fantasy perspective has been fantastic for me the last three weeks and basically took me to the, to the promised land when nobody in my league wanted to trade for Derrick Henry when I was trying to give him away. Mr. Henry brought home the noise. Not nobody. Three weeks, baby. Not nobody. I just couldn't yeah. give up what you were asking. Well, I eye, eye for talent, Mike. And, and I already – I had him at one point. Come on now. I gave him back to you. Well, seven weeks ago when you gave up on your boy. That's your boy too. Your roll tie roll. I didn't give up. I didn't give up on him. I, 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 gave, I actually gave him to somebody else. They gave him to you is what happened. <laughs> but Derrick Henry was a fantasy – phenomenon the last four weeks of the season so kudos. too bad you only had him in the lineup for two of those weeks hey <laughs> you sat him for his 53 against the uh jaguars i did i did i must admit but <laughs> like i said immediately following that day never again <laughs> the rest of the way this year or so all right nfc we've got the saints locked in at the one seed with their win over pittsburgh the rams with a win over the 49ers will be the two seed. The three is most likely going to be Chicago. The four is, good, the, the four is most likely going to be the Cowboys. The, the four five, is the Cowboys. The Cowboys have locked the four. You're right. They are the four. Um, the Seahawks pretty much are locked into the five seed. And then in the sixth seed, you have Minnesota or Philadelphia. If Minnesota wins, Philly's out. Philly, Minnesota loses, Philly wins, Philly's in. You got Minnesota hosting the Bears. Question is, do the Bears try to play anybody with a chance to get the two seed if the Rams were to stumble? Or do, do the Bears kind of see how it goes, play their guys for maybe a half, see what the score is in L.A., and make a decision from there? Well, the, the both games are, are coming on at the same time. I like how the league does that so that there's no, you know, we can figure out what we'll do after afterwards. Um, I, I think that Chicago plays their starters because you know at least till the half. Because I'm going to tell you what, San Francisco has been playing teams really tough the last couple of weeks. L.A. might be without Todd Gurley, and let's be honest, their offense has not looked as sharp as it had before. You know, really since the Kansas City game, and so I think Chicago. I mean, that's a that's a first round buy on the line. That's a big deal to get a game off. Here, here, so, here's the other thing you got to think about in that game too, Chicago, Minnesota. Let's say Chicago plays their starters the whole time, and let's say Minnesota beats them. Well, Minnesota's the six, Chicago's the three, and guess what? They turn around and play again the next week in Wild Card Weekend in Chicago. So, yeah, in Chicago, but I mean, still, it's still a division matchup. You know, back to back weeks. So you have to think if you're the coaching staffs of, of obviously Chicago. Do we want to play? Do we want to play our hardest and get? You know, I'll say give away our what our you know strategy is, but you know they see more 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 of they see our plays and our schemes and our motion and all that kind of stuff. Or do we kind of take basically give up the two seed, knowing we got to play Minnesota probably in the wild card the following week? Um, you know, what do you do there? I don't think you give up the two seed, not only because it's a buy. I mean, you're talking about a, a first round buy. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And, um, I mean, like you said, look at look at what teams can, are able to do with that buy. Like we talked about Gronkowski getting to rest. You get to rest your guys um, it, for a whole week. They get to they get a week off. They get to get fresh, rejuvenated. I think I think it's going to be a first half. They're gonna they're gonna play 
play like it, it means everything. And then I think, I think like what you said, I think they go in at half. They see what LA's doing. If LA's blowing out San Francisco. Maybe they take it a little easy in the second half. If LA's losing, I think that they go for it. You know, depending on what the score I, oh, is. Oh, I agree. Half. No, I agree. If LA's yeah. losing at the half, they absolutely go for it. If they're tied at the half with San Francisco, and you probably won't see Gurley this week. I don't think you will. I, I don't think, think you should. I think you'll see another week of C.J. Anderson, who played great last week. Um, and to me, you'd be, stu- you'd be crazy to play Gurley at this point in, a, in a, I won't say a meaningless game, but a pretty meaningless game for the Rams. Either way, you're hosting a home game. And if you can't beat, if you can't beat the 49ers at home with, with C.J. Anderson and that offense and that defense, then you don't deserve to be the two-seed anyway. So Correct. Um. You know, Philadelphia's in a tricky you – know, I mean, they're in, a, they're in a, you know, wait and see. They have to beat Washington, and obviously they need some help from Minnesota. So, uh, big win, dramatic win for Philadelphia last week against Houston. You know, Nick Foles to the rescue again for another 400-plus yard effort, and four, I think four touchdowns. He was great. You know, I, I really appreciate uh, Jake Elliott missing the extra point. That, uh, that hurt on the, on the sheet. <laughs> Excellent. The boy, the boy, the, the boys in Vegas, they uh, <laughs> but uh, but ended up being a push instead of a winner. So, <laughs> but uh, great win by Philadelphia. It's crazy. It's amazing how Philadelphia just plays so much more fluid and free flowing with 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 Foles at the helm as opposed to when Wentz has been in the game. Well, and you know, I think it's I, the biggest thing is is Wentz. Uh, from what I when I watch the games that I've watched of Carson Wentz. He's really locked in on Zach Ertz and everything short. Alshon Jeffrey was an afterthought to him. He was not getting him involved. Foles is not afraid to throw the ball downfield and, and sling it all over the yard. And I think that's the difference in why Philly looks really good right now. I mean, anybody that's watched the last couple of games for them can tell that. I mean, you get you're getting he, they're getting everybody involved in the offense, whereas Wentz, it was really I mean, he. There was a reason that Ertz is even in the position he he was to to break that receptions record. It's because Carson Wentz was throwing to him like twelve to fourteen times a game. Well, those of us that own Mister Mister Ertz in our undefeated season in T Town like that, Mike. Well, yeah, but but it, <laughs> but the but the team the team that was seven and uh, or you know five and six or five and seven did not like that. <laughs> and and that's and that was not help that was not winning football but yeah they do they look much better with Foles at quarterback and here's what's crazy everybody told said that Philly was stupid for not trading Foles at the deadline and getting something for him and here they are again with a chance to make the playoffs Nick Foles in charge I mean if if Carson Wentz gets goes down who are they going to right now yeah, but you know, full- one thing you have to you have to remember though, Philadelphia has still been a big disappointment this year. I mean, they're needing all like Pittsburgh, they're needing all kinds, they're needing help to get in the playoffs. And obviously, they won the Super Bowl last year, and nobody thought that they would be in this position going into Week 17. So, love well, some, uh, some but, underachieving going on in Philadelphia as well this year. That's true, but you also have to re- you also do have to give Philly a little bit of credit that Pittsburgh hasn't had the the. Uh, the excuse of, and Philly has played with a decimated secondary. I mean, they play with guys that are basically signed off the street playing corner in the NFL. 
I would you know. say I would say that, but the first eight weeks of the season, they were not very good either. It's not like they no, the, no, the, they inju- the injuries caught them here in the last four or five weeks, but the first eight nine weeks of the season, they were, you know, I think they were three and five at one point, maybe four and six. I mean, they were they were they were sorely underachieving early on because well, because remember Foles played the first two games and he did not play very well early in the season. No, yeah, yeah, and and not only that. They had two games, uh, one against Carolina and one against um, uh, somebody else. I can't even think of it, uh, where they just blew the lead completely. Remember they? Fourth, they yeah, fourth quarter, big. They, they were up like seventeen nothing on Carolina and lost at home. I think yeah. they lost the game to the Cowboys on Sunday night. I mean that they were they were ahead. I mean, yeah, they they've blown some leads now. You're right about that. Yeah, and if they don't blow those leads. They're in the driver's seat right now. Just with one of those games, they're in the driver's seat. Yeah, you know? absolutely. To make the wild card for sure. Yeah. So, all right, let's pick some winners here. There's not. There's only a couple games we're going to talk about because there's a lot of meaningless games in, in the NFL. Let's go. Tennessee, Indianapolis. Winner goes. Loser goes home. <sighs> I like Tennessee. I like Tennessee because I think that they're going to run the ball. But maybe, maybe it's a little bit of a. You know, got a lot of got a couple of Bama players. Got got a couple on Indy as well. But I mean, it's a home just, it, it's a home game, so that's a not a game. that's not a far fetched prediction. I, I like I like Tennessee because they're at home. Yeah, yeah. The Tennessee definitely needs to be a low scoring twenty to seventeen kind of game. Oh yeah, they're not gonna, they're not going to win a, a shootout with the Colts. I don't think. No, not at all. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take Indy. I think Luck's gonna make just enough plays. I think him, T.Y. Hilton, I like what Marlon Mack's doing running the ball with that offensive line, and I think their defense is going to be just good enough to stop that run, and, and they're going to force Gabbard or Mariota to beat them through the air, and I just don't think they can do that long term. So I'm going to take Indianapolis Sunday night, Chris and Al in Nashville. But remember this, it is supposed to be really uh, cold and really re- wet. Is that Okay, that's good. I didn't know that. So that's, that's and not only show. that. And and also keep in mind, two days prior, the uh, Purdue Boilermakers play Auburn in the Music City Bowl. So that field, you know, could be in a little bit of rough shape if that game is played in the rain as well. So just right. a couple things to think of. I mean, that that I'm not saying that's an end all be all, but those are that definitely favors Tennessee if that field's eaten up. Yep. All right, Minnesota Minnesota hosting the Chicago Bears. Minnesota's got a win to get in. They lose, Philadelphia could get in, and obviously Chicago could theoretically get the two seed. I like Minnesota. I think Chicago's gonna I don't think Chicago's gonna play their guys very long. I think they're gonna they're gonna rest up for even if they have to play Minnesota again next week at home. I think they like their chances at Soldier Field against Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. So I think the I think the Vikings get it done in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook, a little bit of Kirk Cousins, the receivers and the defense. The defense will shut down Chase Daniel and company come the second half. Yeah, I, I like Minnesota because it's in the Metrodome or <laughs> Metrodome. It's in the uh, indoors in Minnesota. Um, I, I think that I think that Chicago plays their guys at least the first half, and even if they play the whole game, I, Chicago's is not that very that great on the road. They struggle on the road, um, and and they also struggle when it's not a prime time game. When it's prime time and the lights are on, they they come to play. But you know they they struggled against San Francisco out there last week, and Minnesota has a lot to play for. That place is going to be really loud. I, I agree with you. I think they run. I think they fe- figured out the formula 
Uh, well, maybe they didn't figure it out as much as Zimmer has said, run the ball. <laughs> but, or I'm going to uh, fire you. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> and so they're running the ball, which is what their strength is. So I agree, Minnesota. All right, last one with any ramifications. The big one in Baltimore. Baltimore hosting the eight, the seven, seven and one Cleveland Browns. Who would have ever thought that? Led by Baker Mayfield. Uh, can Cleveland go into Baltimore, beat that defense, slow down Lamar Jackson, that running attack, and give the Steelers an opportunity to slide in the back door? I know this sounds crazy, but I do. I think they. I I like. I think Cleveland wins this game. Something. Cleveland, uh, that that whole history of Cleveland, Baltimore, you got you got it. Cleveland has a chance to what? Be, they have a chance to have a winning record, right? Oh yes, they seven <laughs> when, seven and one. When's the last time that's happened? I mean, Kelly I, Kelly Holcomb, Derek yeah, Anderson, Derek Anderson, and uh, uh, Braylon Edwards. I yes. mean, yeah, I like Cleveland here. I I don't know why it's something. I don't know. I, I think Baltimore should win the game. I, I want Baltimore to win the game because I'd like to see Pittsburgh get knocked out. And something I don't know. Something just something just makes me think that Cleveland's going to come in and shock Baltimore. And also, Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens playing for their job, trying yeah. to you know one of those two guys is trying to be the head coach there. Yeah. Williams has done a pretty good job. Freddie Kitchens done a great job calling plays and you know the the, the relationship with with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so it's going to be. I, I, I'm with you. I think Cleveland can win the game. I think Baltimore is going to find a way, only because they lost last year with a chance to get in against a team they were supposed to beat. Yeah, you know, I could see Cleveland winning the game, but I think somehow, some way, my boy Justin Tucker might kick a a game winner at the gun to send them to the playoffs. But you would agree that Baltimore does not cover that six points. I think it'll either. I think it'll either be a. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll either get blown out or it'll, it'll it'll be go right to the wire. I mean, I could see. I mean, I could. I hate to say it. I could see. You know, that Baltimore defense scoring a defensive touchdown or two, or the punt return, or an interception or fumble. Um, or I or like you said, I think it'll either be a a kick game winning field goal at the gun, or Baltimore win by three touchdowns. Yeah. All right. So there we go. Quick, quick, let's quick talk on the coaching hot seat. Here are the teams that I that are very much in play to make coaching changes. The Jets, Denver, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Jacksonville, Washington, Arizona, Atlanta potentially, and potentially Pittsburgh. Who which which of those teams do you think is a lock to make a change? Arizona. I, I, okay. Arizona's wasting talent. My boy David Johnson is being wasted <laughs> in the desert. Gosh, I mean, that team is – their offense is pitiful. I mean, they they, they hadn't scored 20 points. <laughs> They're pitiful, absolutely pitiful. I think I think Arizona, I think Denver for sure. And uh, – yeah, You know, the sad part about Denver is three weeks ago, they were – everybody was talking about Denver was 6-6, six and six, I, or, I think it was 6-6, six yeah. six, had the easiest schedule the rest of the way, yep. and they've not won a game since. I mean, incredible. Everybody thought Denver with that defense and Philip Lindsay just enough offense with uh, Case Keenum and Lindsay running the ball. Everybody was all excited about Denver the last four weeks, and they haven't won a game since. And I'm with you. Vance Jones is going to get fired. Um, yeah. And you know that you just you can't you can't lose to San Francisco. 
they lost to Oakland this Monday night. They lost to somebody else at home um, two weeks ago, and you just can't lose those three games. You got to win. I mean, they minimum have to be eight and seven going into this game, and they just they just they just fell apart. They lost. They lost to Cleveland that Saturday night. Cleveland, that's right. Yep, Cleveland. Yep, yep. So, I think he's gone for sure. Todd Bowles is all but gone. I think Cincinnati's going to be interesting to see if they finally let Marvin Lewis go. Um, <laughs> Jacksonville going to be interesting. To see. There's going to be one. There's going to be one thing that we're going to all be surprised that is coming up Monday about who's getting fired. It wouldn't shock me if Jacksonville made a move. I think Ron Rivera and Carolina is going to survive. Um, Washington's going to be tricky because they've been decimated with injuries. Do they go with Jay Gruden another year? Um, Atlanta, do, 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 do you keep Quinn? And obviously, do you clean house with the rest of the coaching staff? I could see that happening. I could see them keeping Quinn but firing both coordinators. Um, Tampa is probably leaning towards making a move, but I could also see them keeping Cutter and bringing in a big, trying to bring in a big time defensive coordinator because. Their offense has been a top three offense all year, and their defense has been bad, but they've been decimated by injuries. So I could see them making a run at a big-time defensive coordinator and trying to maybe keep Cutter. But the, the, from, from all the talk down here, it sounds like they're going to make a move, but I, it wouldn't shock me if they kept Cutter. Yeah. Again, think, go ahead. I, I think Arizona, New York Jets, and uh, Denver. I think of the, I think all three of those guys are gone. Arizona, may, the main reason I think Arizona's gone is they see what's happened with with the Rams. Pete Carroll just got an extension. San Francisco's got a got a Kyle Shanahan there, and he got uh, you know Garoppolo coming back, and that that offense. They they know they have to score points to make it in this division, much less in the NFL, but just in their division alone. And they're not going to do it with a defensive minded coach um, that can't you know that that doesn't stop anybody. If if you're a defensive minded coach, your defense should be playing well, and they're not. So and the, and the problem is they're and the problem is they're not losing twenty to seventeen games. They're getting blown no, out. No, and when they lose, even. they're getting blown out. Where one thing I can say about the Bucks cutter is they're losing games, but they're losing every game by one possession. They're not getting blown out, and they're playing pretty competitive against some pretty decent teams here, especially at the end of the year. The the, the guys haven't quit on cutter here in Tampa. Whereas it looks like in Arizona, other than you know Fitzgerald and a couple guys, a lot of those guys have packed it in. Well, they're they're a lot. They're only they're only averaging two hundred and forty four yards a game and thirteen points a game in the NFL. That doesn't that doesn't fly. Unwinnable, yeah, unwinnable situation. <laughs> Your boy Byron Leftwich calling the plays out in Arizona now. Yeah, that that didn't work out as well as I thought it would. Interesting guy to look at. I think I think Freddie Kitchens will be a guy that even even if Cleveland doesn't retain him, he's going to get some serious consideration somewhere because of yeah. his work with Baker Mayfield. And I know he's got a big connection with Bruce Arians, and there has been kind of talk that that's the one job Arians would be interested in coming to would be Cleveland, where I could see them hiring Arians potentially and making keeping Freddie Kitchens as the OC. Yeah, yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised. It'll be very interesting to see some of these coaching candidates. Who, who, you know, you got the rumors of Jim Harbaugh uh, going somewhere potentially. I'm sure somebody will call about Nick Saban, even though he'll probably he'll tell them no. But be very interesting some of these coaching candidates, whether they retread. You know, Josh McDaniels he, is he going to be in the mix in Green Bay? We forgot about the Green Bay job that's already open. Right. So, you know, they're already interviewing. I saw today where they interviewed Jim Caldwell and. Chuck Pagano and Chuck guys Pagano. like that. So, um, 
be very interesting to see how this uh, plays out. All right, let's transition to the college playoff. We are finally here. It's finally go time with the, with, with, the, with the college Final Four. You know, you got Saturday in Miami. You got Alabama, Oklahoma, and then you have in, in Jerry World, you got Notre Dame, Clemson kicking us off Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock. Um, some storylines. You got Tua's ankle. You got a little story that came out today about Kyler Murray being a little under the weather. Sounds like he'll be okay. This might be a kind of a flu kind of deal. And then you got some suspensions on both teams, both Alabama and Clemson. You got some, you know, you got the but all-American defensive tackle for Clemson and a couple other guys kind of failed a drug test. And then you can tell me a little more about the Alabama deal. What, what what's the deal with the Alabama guys? Well, it's really just Deontay Brown. There's two other guys, but they don't they don't really play. Deontay Brown's the big one because he's the uh, he's he's the left guard that it's that wrestled away the starting job in about mid-October. And uh, the only thing that, that doesn't hurt Alabama here is is he was hurt uh, pretty much the last two or three games. He got hurt in the – he barely played against Georgia as it was. Lester Cotton was the starter at the beginning of the year, and he's the one that's been filling in for him. So you're not – yeah, Deontay Brown is the, – the run game is much better with him in there, but you're not losing a whole lot. I mean, it's <laughs> – you're not you're not dropping off. Of course, at, at Alabama, you don't really drop off at any position. But uh, you got a guy that was the starter at the beginning of the year, so he can definitely handle it. I don't know what's going on. Everything I've heard is uh, is either drugs, like you know, marijuana use, or they were late, or they missed a meeting, or something. I don't know what it was. Um, that we really haven't got much clarity on it. Um, the guy come from on now, come, no, I'm, come I'm on now, serious. come clean. What's all, not, the, what's, all, what's all the internet chatter up there? Well, that the guy, the guy from the Tuscaloosa News is on is saying that it. Uh, you can figure it out, and I'm like, well, I really don't know what it is. I mean, I I really don't. I don't know what it is. So, uh, your man Cecil Hurd isn't spilling the beans. No, I mean, like I said, a uh, guy from the Tuscaloosa News, not Cecil, but another guy was on Jock's radio this morning, and and he said, uh, you know, you can figure out what he was doing, and like. And I and I and everybody's going. We're you know friends of mine are like I, I really don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I mean I, I don't know what it was, but I know it's serious enough. You know that Saban's going to suspend you and not even you're. I mean he didn't even. He's not even. He didn't even make the trip. Well, so, three to me, three guys getting suspended all at the same time tells you something. It it was either yeah. those three guys were out together late one night and did right. something they shouldn't have done or. They all three failed drug tests. I mean, to me, that's the only two things it can be. Right. I don't think it's I don't think it's academics related, but who knows? Well, yeah, and I think that I I don't know I don't know, but it doesn't matter. That the bottom line is is that he's not playing. And the other thing you let another storyline is Marquise Brown from Oklahoma was practicing right. today. Okay. Yep. And I know that, he he got hurt in the Texas game. Yeah, and that's a and, big. Uh, that's a big deal if he plays or not because yeah. Oklahoma's offense with him is obviously much more lethal without him. Right. Uh, and so that that's a big deal, um, especially given, you know, given that without him, you really only have C.D. Lamb for Oklahoma that can really create matchup problems. So, so that's sounds a big deal. Like sounds like Tua's ankle is going to be about 80%. That's about it. I, that, that's to be expected, to be honest with you. I mean, that kind of injury he had, that, that's not that, – that ain't – that's not fully healing in three weeks. I don't care how much cryotherapy and all this other stuff you're doing. That kind of no. stuff 
high ankle sprains don't heal in three weeks. No, but I, I think that, uh, you know, every every video I've seen, he, he's moving around really well. They said cutting is really the only thing that's, that's right. a big deal right now. But, I, you know, once again, I, I think I, I can speak for all the, the, the fans that I know from Alabama, and we're, we're not really that worried. Yes, Tua makes the team that much better, but Jalen Hurts has proven he can play, and Oklahoma's defense is not that good. What, J- what Jalen, ha- I mean, what Tua has to do in this game, in my opinion, he cannot try to make the heroic scramble right. kind of plays. Right. If the, if throw to who's open. If the guy's not open, throw it away and live to play because he's going to get hurt. Is when he's running around in the pocket and somebody, yeah. you know, ankle tackles him from behind, and that ankle is going to get rolled up or something like that. Where he's got to know t- in this 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 playoff, throw the ball away or check it down. And I and I think that I I I I would pretty much bet that Mike Loxley has drawn up a lot of there's you're going to see a lot of quick slants you're going to see a lot of wide receiver screens anything to get the ball out of his hands quickly and 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 let his and let his receivers and the playmakers make the plays because you right. got guys like Deion, uh, uh, Judy uh, Ridley Judy, Judy Dante Ridley. Smith or Devontae yeah. Smith Henry Ruggs those guys can make plays get them the ball the tight end. Irv Smith, the big-time tight end, receiving tight end. And not to mention, like you said earlier, run the ball. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of the running game. Damian Lewis, uh, Damian Harris, I'm sorry, and and, uh, Najee Harris. Josh uh, Jacobs. Yeah, I think you're going to see them run the ball because I think they're going to try to keep Kyler on the sidelines, slow the pace down, because Alabama, the one thing they've not historically done well is defend that fast-break offense. Deshaun Watson got him twice, not got him, but you know, lit him up twice. I don't think Alabama wants to, wants to be in a track meet with Oklahoma. Well, I mean, Stidham Stidham got him last year in the Iron Bowl. Um, Cardell Jones got him in the Ohio State game in the yeah. playoff that first year. Uh, Johnny Manziel, everybody remembers that game. So yeah, they they've all they uh, Tim Tebow gave him fits. They they've always struggled with the dual threat quarterback. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think you're going to see 35 to 40 carries out of Alabama, and they're just going to try to grind it out and run the ball down out Oklahoma's throat. Like I said, I think I think between the running game and the and quick play passes, action, if they the, can run the ball, that play action with those receivers on that Oklahoma secondary is going to be a big time matchup that Alabama will exploit. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about you know from a, from a Notre Dame Clemson perspective. Again, I told you four weeks ago, I'm, my, my prediction is going to be no, I'm picking Notre Dame to win this game. I think they've been undervalued all year. I think Ian Book's been a you know great addition to the lineup. Uh, Pat, a guy that can drop back passer, can throw the ball. He's got mobility. He can run the ball as well. I think the offensive line for Notre Dame is pretty good, and that and Dexter Williams, that tailback for Notre Dame, is big time, in my opinion. And I think, I think you're going to see, again, underrated Notre Dame defense. I think you're going to see a big effort out of Notre Dame against the freshman quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Again, defensive line is a, is a strength of Clemson, but this, this Dexter Lawrence guy being out is going to hurt them. Um, I don't think Clemson's great in the secondary and at the linebacking position. I think they've been living on their defensive line, and I think you're going to see a big effort out of Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is going to win the game. Well, I, I, agree, I agree with you, and I'm hopeful. Because, uh, like I told you a few weeks ago, if if Alabama wins, 
the wife and I will be tra traveling to San Francisco. And we also have a few more tickets that are that are going to be needing to be sold. <laughs> and, uh, an Alabama Notre Dame undefeated clash <laughs> will will definitely uh, move the move the needle on the uh, on the uh, old uh, on the uh, black market on the on black, the black market. market. So so I'm hoping that that you're right on the money there. And I do agree with you. I don't think you know Notre Dame hasn't really played. Uh, yeah, they played some out of conference. They played some power fives, but as far as their strength of schedule, it's not great. Neither is Clemson, though. Neither team to me played really anybody. They you know, Notre Dame didn't have to play a conference championship. They're a little bit more rested. Clemson might as well not have played a conference championship. They played Pitt. So um, I, I can I can see it going. I, I know one thing. I I do not see – even if Clemson wins, I cannot see them covering that number. I don't see it happening. So I love Notre Dame in the 13. And, but I just, I just have a funny feeling Notre Dame is going to win the game outright. Like I said, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> as long as Bama's winning, I, I don't really care though. <laughs> and, I, and on the Bama side, I think Bama's gonna. Like I said, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna grind out a game. I think it's gonna be a kind of a thirty-one. You know, I can see a thirty-four, seventeen kind of game where they just run the ball down out Oklahoma's throat, bust them with the play action. So again, the one thing that makes me nervous a little bit is the special teams of Alabama. You know, they've <laughs> had some issues with the punting game and field goal kicking and all that stuff and kickoff coverage. But I think Alabama's going to win the game. I think with a month to get ready, I think they're going to keep they're going to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket from running. I think they're going to I think they're going to challenge the Oklahoma receivers with their DBs. I think they got good DBs at Alabama. I think they're going to blitz him a little bit, and I think they're going to create some turnovers, kind of like Texas did in both games they played. And I really think yeah, I think Alabama's going to you know fourteen to seventeen point kind of kind of game. I agree, and. You know, just uh, just to follow up on that special teams comment, remember Alabama had the number one recruiting class uh, after signing day last uh, last week, but it was the kicker, the number one kicker in the country that Alabama got that Alabama fans are the happiest about. Hoover's Will Reichard. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard that before with Cade. Cade, what's his name? I can what tell was, you. I can what tell was you. Cade, what was what was Cade's last name? Cade. Remember Cade, your buddy from Texas, your big-time five-star kicker from Texas, the guy that would look like a middle linebacker. Oh, uh, Foster. Foster. Cade Foster. Foster. Yeah, he was, well. He was touted as the number one guy. And then the guy, they got – who was the guy they got from Georgia a couple years back? Adam Griffith. Adam Griffith was touted as the next coming of, of Jesus. You know, yeah. something happens when they get to, on campus in Tuscaloosa, brother. Well, if that's what it is, that's so be it. But I can tell you, I've watched Will Reichard kick down here in Hoover, at Hoover Games, uh, and you can ask any any official that has done their games, and they're going to tell you that he's the he's the real deal. So, all right, well, we'll see. That's 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 TBD to be determined. It is, <laughs> but that ain't going to help you. That ain't going to help you Saturday in Miami or in Santa Clara in two weeks. No, no. <laughs> All right, a couple more notes in the college football world. Justin Herbert, quarterback Oregon, is staying at Oregon for his senior year. A lot of people thought he might be the top five pick in the draft, kind of the number one quarterback prospect. So it's going to be a kind of a down year at the quarterback spot going to the NFL draft with Herbert staying at Oregon this year. Um, kind of, not to say surprising, but, you know, he was kind of on the fence whether he was going to go or stay. So he, he came out uh, – I think yesterday it said he was gonna he was staying at Oregon, so that's kind of interesting tidbit. 
All right, quick quick predictions on the couple New Year's Day bowl games. Florida, Michigan. I like Florida. I think Michigan, I, I don't know if they've rebounded and recovered from that Ohio State beatdown. So I like Florida. I think that uh I think that they just um I think four starters from Michigan have ch- are choosing not to play in the bowl game right. because yeah, of that, NFL NFL aspirations and then one guy was hurt and he just came out and said he's not playing even though He's not going to the NFL yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like Florida in that game. I think I think Dan Mullen, again, low scoring game. I think it'll be a defensive game. I like what Dan Mullen's doing. All right, Texas, Georgia. Georgia. You think they're gonna be motivated to play? I do. I think that uh I think that they will be motivated to play. I I I mean they both they both were on the same side of the coin. Obviously, Georgia lost a lot more with the playoff, but um I just I like Georgia's defense against Texas. I I, I I go back to the what I've said about Oklahoma and Kyler Murray and all that previously. Big Twelve does not play defense, and um, I don't think that Texas has really played a team that like Georgia. As long as Georgia's motivation is there, I think Georgia wins the game. All right, I'm gonna go. I think Georgia wins, but I think it's close, closer yeah. than the boys, closer than the experts think. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The granddaddy of them all, the Washington Huskies against the going away party for one Urban Meyer, who's now going to be your professor for leadership and integrity <laughs> <laughs> at the Ohio State University in the fall semester. <laughs> so make yeah. sure you sign up for that course, all you Buckeye fans and our friends up in Columbus named David Precise and Company. <laughs> make sure you go to that that sophomore level course of leadership and integrity by one urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, I like her. I like, I like Ohio state there. I, mainly because they're just a better team, I think than Washington, but also because I mean, how are you going to bet against urban going out on his, in his last game? Dwayne Haskins probably goes to the NFL as well. I, I just, I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see that team losing. I'm going to say Washington. I think I'm going, to, I'm going to take Washington in an upset. I think Jake Browning, they got a pretty good defense there in Washington. Again, I could see Haskins, you know, obviously he's got pro, you know, hopes for the pro. He's going to the pros from all indications. He might be the number one pick in the draft with Herbert staying in school because a lot of people like him coming out. And I got a fun, I, and I know all the, all the sentiments behind Urban and all the emotion and all that. I got a funny feeling Washington's going to play that game very well. So I'm going to take get, Washington in the points. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not pulling for Urban. I don't, I'm not a fan. I don't like Ohio State. I, I, that would be great. I just I, – somehow or another, that always seems to happen. But uh, right. no, that would be great. Last one here. The People's Champions, the Central Florida <laughs> Knights versus – Coach O and the LSU Tigers. Apparently, Coach O had some uh, practice issues the other day during his press conference. <laughs> Apparently, the people at practice wouldn't be quiet while he was doing his press conference, and he got a little excited a couple times and told everybody to shut the hell up. If anybody is listening has not seen that, go yeah. and Google it, please. It is okay. great. That's a good minute and a half of, of, of media media conference entertainment. That is a great. That is one of the best film or uh, piece of film I've seen in all year long. I mean, that was just that was classic. <laughs> and you keep right. it down. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I think LSU is going to get it done again. I think. How about how about the story out of LSU where the two guys were were apparently robbed at gunpoint 
and the backup tailback shoots the guy dead in the middle of the street. You know, it's it's uh it's a tough thing down to to play in Baton Rouge. It's uh <laughs> you got to you got to be you got to be multifaceted, you know, jack of all trades. So yeah, that's a crazy up, thing. Is packing, I, is packing heat part of the deal down there? You got to yeah, you got to be yeah. carrying. Yeah, that's that's part of the uniform. Man. Yeah. When I heard uh, that I was like, wow. You just killed the guy straight up. The guy two which first of all, is surprising they're trying to rob two guys that probably look like those guys on the LSU football team. You know, the one guy's a running back, and I don't know what position the other guy played, but I'm sure those are pretty, you know, they're pretty big guys, I'm sure. So it's interesting to know that they were getting basically robbed at gunpoint, and all of a sudden we take justice into our own hands. Bernie, <laughs> Bernie Get style from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I like LSU. I like LSU to win the game, too. And frankly, I, I, I really want them to because I'm, I'm tired of the whole, we're the champions of whatever and blah 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 and make our own rings and all that so tired of hearing about it yeah they're 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 pretty confident down here central florida obviously they turned down florida in a two-for-one situation you know offer a couple weeks ago and we talked a little bit about that but yeah it's time for central florida to to you know get taken to the woodshed one time to kind of quiet the, the noise coming out of orlando yeah i mean once again it's a great story and nobody nobody's questioning that but you can't play the memphises of the world as your tough game and expect to be taken seriously it just doesn't work uh, and what and <laughs> winning 23 games is is quite a feat it really is i don't care what level you're at it is but it's not you're not a national champion that's all there's to it especially when your quarterback blows his leg out i mean gets his leg snapped i mean that had you know that ends all all talk but it's, again you're right great story but pipe down central florida keep winning games Go play somebody. Go beat somebody at their place. Then you can talk some smack when you go beat a big-time program. You know, go beat an SEC, a good SEC team or a Texas or, a you know, one of those kind of teams in their house. Then you'll get some national recognition. And doing it in a bowl game that, that, is, that is not a playoff game does not count because those teams are resting. Some of those players aren't playing. The, the motivation in there, it's not the same thing. So I agree. I, I I don't want to hear that. But speaking of leg snap, did you see this the story on Zach Miller this week? I did. I, I saw the story about a month ago where they kind of documented his whole recovery and all that. I mean, I, I, is there a new update this week? Well, they just did a thing on Fox before the game, uh, before the games on sat on Sunday, and it was just man, the scars that that guy has is. Yeah, yeah. I saw a story about him about a probably this probably early in the season. Maybe when Chicago played on Monday Night Football or something early on, and they documented his recovery and just all the surgeries, and you know, and that's a gruesome injury. And you know, Alex Smith's kind of going through the same kind of thing right. a little bit. Right. And those, it's amazing what those leg injuries can do to you. Yeah, it's not just the. Uh, this is not just a simple ACL tear where you go repair it and you're back in a month. I mean, this is. I mean, the, both of those guys almost lost their legs. I mean, this right. is, is serious stuff. So. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate it, Mike. Let me let me give a quick recap. I was out in Vegas last week. I know we're, we're we're thinking about maybe going out to Vegas for the March for March Madness. I was out in Vegas doing a uh, broadcasting gig with my buddy Drew Felios from ESPN. We were working with Flow Sports TV, which is a production company that we were we were uh, broadcasting the Duel in the Desert Women's Division One Basketball Tournament out in Las Vegas over at UNLV's campus. Had a great time. 
called uh, called eight games in three days. We had uh, two divisions of four teams, one by the, the Lady Jayhawks from Kansas, as well as the Utes of Utah. So had some had some excellent teams from all over the country. We had there again all Division One teams. Had Big Ten. We had Northwestern. We had Washington State, Kansas, Utah, UNLV, Wichita State. Um, so we've had some great teams, good action. Um, again, I know you used to be in the sports information business, and I boy. Those guys, I, I I feel for those guys in that world, man. I mean, you're just there all the time, writing up these notes every day, these these packets of notes, you know, <laughs> updating it every day. I got to give mad props to you guys because they they produce a lot of information and, and to update that stuff every single day is just heroic. Well, try try doing that and doing the broadcasting at the same time. That's yeah. even that's even more fun. I remember I did a I did a uh, baseball tournament for for the Gulf South Conference and did. Uh, 15 games in four days or five days and had to do all the updating of the notes and everything at night. So yeah, it, it's some, it is a lot of work and that's one reason I got out of the business is just uh, it's a thankless job, but yeah, SIDs out there do a tremendous job, but you said you were uh, all those teams. Were there any Clippers out there? Any Clippers? Yeah. <laughs> I- <laughs> Michael, I don't know what you're talking about with the Clippers. Oh, so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the NBA. It was uh, it was college. Nope. It was all college. Yeah, oh, okay. all college. No, gotcha. was, even though we were we did play in the arena where they play the summer league every year. So we were uh, at the Cox Pavilion, which is right next to the Thomas and Mack Center, which was if you you know if you know where that's at. I mean, they're right next to each other. Um, I took a nope. couple pictures next to Jerry Tarkanian's got a big stat big statue out there. I got a couple pictures there. So it was a, uh, they had pictures all throughout the little Cox Arena of all the NBA guys that have played in there for Summer League and all that stuff. So um, had some, again, interesting. Uh, actually, my buddy my buddy knows somebody who works for the VSIN network, and we got to go meet Brent Musburger in his studios, in the VSIN studios at the South Point Casino, which is not on the Strip, but kind of about 15 minutes away from the Strip. But got to meet... Uh, Brent Musburger and that whole crew, that VSIN network. If you ever w- listen to satellite radio XM two hundred four, the VSIN network. Yeah, well, if you're if you're a young if you're a young guy in Alabama right now, I suggest you to pick up a football and start throwing it right away. For sure. <laughs> it was interesting. So that was cool to meet old Brent Musburger, the venerable one, the originator of uh, the boys in the in Vegas and the over unders and point spreads and all that good stuff. So. All the references you hear all throughout the games on Sundays and Saturdays nowadays. Mr. Brett Musburger was the uh, innovator of that way back in the day with the NFL Today back on CBS. All right. Well, again, appreciate the appreciate you guys listening. Again, you want to send us a comment? Send us a comment on Twitter at KickTheFB. Check us out on Stitcher, Apple iTunes Podcasts. We're on uh, thelibson.com. Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Hope you have a, had a great Christmas, holiday season, and we will and have a safe and happy New Year's Eve. Be careful out there. Don't be doing nothing stupid and no DUIs. Take an Uber, take a taxi. Don't be driving drunk, all that stuff, because they will nail you big time this weekend. So thanks, Mike, for joining us. Appreciate the time and the comments and the thoughts. And we'll see you next week on the Powers on Sports Podcast.